You're listening to Masters of Digital Transformation, brought to you by AIM10X and hosted by Tony Saldana. Hey, welcome to Masters of Digital Transformation. I'm your host, Tony Saldana. And each episode, we bring you industry stories with insights into some of the top challenges around digital transformation, especially in planning. And my guests today are Chris Tice and Stanton Thomas. Welcome to the show, Chris and Stanton. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Long-term listeners might remember Chris from a previous episode. Chris Tyus OB was a former senior VP of supply chain Nestle, and I could never do you justice, Chris, by trying to introduce you. So I'm not even going to try. I'm going to ask you to do that in just a second. And Stanton Thomas is senior VP of sustainability solutions at O9 Solutions between your work, Chris, on sustainability and Stanton, your role, this entire episode is going to be very special. It's going to be focused on sustainability. Let me start with you, Chris. You have such an incredible and storied past. For some of our listeners that didn't catch the previous show, would you mind saying a few things about yourself? Well, I had a something like a 40-year career in consumer products with Mars and then Nestle across procurement, manufacturing, and supply chain, finishing up for the last five years as the global supply chain head, senior VP for supply chain based in Switzerland, but covering all 130 countries that Nestle operates in. I've retired from that life at the end of 2018, but kept up many of my interests in traceability, sustainability, and the key issues in CPG, particularly as chair of GS1. But it all changed at the beginning of 2020, like many people's lives did, when I was asked to join the British government uh, Department of Environment, Food and Rural Affairs as the acting food supply director and chairing something called the Food Resilience Industry Forum that brought together retailers, manufacturers, logistics providers and farmers to basically ensure that we kept the nation fed, particularly around sustainability. I was fortunate enough to be asked to speak at COP26 in Glasgow last November. Stanton, please say a few words about yourself. Sure. I have 35 years of experience in supply chain, anywhere from robotics automation in the automotive industry to clean technologies around things like solar, wind, and I've also uh, worked in the context of sustainability for quite some time, doing uh, both technology development and commercialization work, as well as consulting work for large corporations. Let's frame the issue on sustainability challenges. The fact of the matter is that there is a lot of emphasis on sustainability, especially as it relates to large corporate commitments. Chris, you and I were talking the other day, along with Stanton, about Yes, there is a lot of activity, but there are still a lot of issues that we need to kind of get under the surface here. If you wouldn't mind, help us frame the issue. What exactly is happening today out there? There's two major issues if you want to prove the provenance of a product. The social sustainability, basically working conditions, how people are employed, or environmental sustainability, whether it be recycling, whether it be CO2. But in order to be able to 
prove those two things. The provenance of the product, which is now so important, whether you talk about the legal requirement, whether you may talk about what you want to say about the product. But the two things that are critical are transparency of the supply chain. Where has the product and each of the components within it actually been made? How have they been transported? Who have they been made by? And secondly, the traceability to be able to prove that it really did come from where you believe it did. Those two critical words, transparency of the supply chain and traceability within the supply chain, are the two major challenges facing us at this time. And you've had in your own career to deal with helping develop solutions for many of these especially in the CPG industry with palm oil and many of the other issues that the industry has faced for a long time. But you were among the first to understand that we have to go beyond an inch deep in reporting. So if you wouldn't mind, share a little more about your experience there. The key point that we discovered quite early on, you mentioned palm oil, there was horse meat, particularly here in Europe as well. Realize that traceability and transparency, one up, one down, which used to be the old phrase, the manufacturer who's provided and the retailers to where it goes to, that is no longer sufficient. Because in effect, our supply chains have many tiers to them. Three, four, five, maybe even six or seven tiers, because it's about the supplier to the supplier to the supplier to the supplier. And your supply chain or the provenance of the product is only as strong as the information on the first tier. The issues downstream from the manufacturer are just as important because, again, the first level of sale may well not be the last one to the consumer. So it's understanding and have that transparency across the length of the supply chain. Where was the product made? Who was it made by? Under what conditions? And how was it transported? And those are the critical questions that we have to be able to answer. The fact that the global supply chain these days is incredibly complex. You've got components that are being manufactured in various places in the world, that there are suppliers and subcontractors, you know, whether it is for shipping or transportation, even raw material creation. And at the end of the day, the consumer is basically looking for accountability. If larger companies are not held accountable, then the cascading effect down the supply chain becomes a challenge. This is really what you have been pointing out for a long time, which is the the one up and one down transparency is simply not sufficient. The data is only as good as your ability to read multi-layers down the supply chain. Maybe one other question before I go to you, Stanton. Why is that so difficult? Touch on it yourself, Tony. As supply chains have become that much more complex across the world, with different tiers, with different suppliers and different people, that's put the onus on manufacturers, upon supply chain professionals to be able to demonstrate where that product has come from. We're not in the simple supply chains maybe of 40, 50 years ago. And of course, it starts to separate accountability from the consumer, which is to the last point of manufacturer distribution from the activity, which could be many companies deep. And Chris, this is really where I admire you. You know, you've been one of those people who are in the know that 
have been very vocal about this being an issue, which is really where, Stanton, I'd love to get your opinion. Now, play for us, if you wouldn't mind, the other side of the coin, which is, yes, we understand that this is an issue. There are a lot of people who simplistically say, yes, but isn't that what blockchain and and database and technologies and so on and so forth, isn't that what they are meant to do? Share with us why that's not as easy as most people think it is. First of all, I I would underscore everything that that Chris said. I think he's he's nailed it precisely. The question of how to achieve this is a a very important one. I think a lot of companies right now are struggling with this question. And when you look at things like blockchain and other things like tagging, RFID tags, marking commodities or products with molecular markers and those kinds of things, typically they're still in their experimental phase. And there's been some work done that have shown that they can be effective in certain circumstances, but there's a lot of KPIs in the ESG space for which they're not going to be able to effectively solve the problem. They tend to have been used for specific issues around, say, counterfeit materials or or conflict materials or those types of things, just as an example. They don't necessarily represent a broad-based solution. And and again, they're in their infancy. There are other services that you see in the marketplace, software services that use a combination of survey techniques to survey suppliers, ask questions. They also use AI-driven web crawlers to, to go out onto the internet and scan millions of sources of information to try to aggregate and identify risk factors that may exist in people's supply chains, but you still have to link that data to an accurate picture of the supply chain, which as Chris said, for most companies is lacking because from their own systems infrastructure, they can only go one up, one down, as he said. And and it takes quite a bit of investment. Many companies have attempted to do this and some of the most successful companies in this space that have tried to map their supply chain will tell you that they've only mapped 60, 70% of their supply chain. It takes an extraordinary level of investment to do so. The question is, how are we going to accomplish this? At the moment, it's very resource intensive and it requires to some extent a boots on the ground approach to go out and audit your supply chain. Obviously, that's very, very challenging. You want to, as a company, as a leader, you want to do the right thing. There's enough of companies that are greenwashing, as they say, their entire results, as, as opposed to doing the right thing. So Stanton, the issue obviously is there are no systemic data sources, industry, highway type of stuff where all of this data can come together. And so if you want to do the right thing, you have to go build your own highway, so to speak, into the data. Now, the boots on the ground approach, as you said, maps only perhaps about 60% of the supply chain. So what really happens from a systems provider standpoint? You want to do the right thing. Your solutions want to do the right thing. You can get only perhaps part of that data. Are we therefore then reconciled to basically waiting for the story to show up on New York Times front page? Or is there something that people are doing right now to avoid that situation happening? I think you can see the beginnings of certain things that are happening in this space that are going to provide a pathway to providing a clear picture. It has to do with the collective nature of what's required to build these pictures. Companies acting on their own to build 
a network view of their supply chain. It's a very inefficient, resource-intensive process. What's really going to be required is collective action at the sector level in order to build this picture. And you see companies, platform companies like Google and Microsoft and others beginning to address the, the digital twin problem and to try to provide a, a single platform source to be able to acquire accurate data about suppliers within a, a supply chain, a, a single trusted source or repository corporations can then draw upon to build a more accurate picture. If every company is going to go out and survey their suppliers, there's there's a, a phenomenon called survey fatigue, right? Where, where people are just they get too too tired of answering the question. So another way is going to be needed, and that is where suppliers place their information and update their information in a single trusted platform. And those people that are participating in that supply chain can draw upon that information to build their picture and manage their their traceability and transparency requirements. Chris, I can see you nodding, which I suspect relates very much to the work you've been doing on industry forums, none the least of which is, of course, standards such as GS1. What role do industry bodies have uh, on, on two fronts? One is to define the standard. Even if you've got different suppliers, define the data you know, carbon footprint differently, then that doesn't really help. So that's one standards. And then the other is the platform. So you can actually put all the the uh, relevant data together uh, to, to make a data highway. But what are you seeing happen in the industry around that? I think, first of all, I take you back a little bit to Stanton's previous point, which was hit the nail on the head very clearly. The first thing to do is to map the supply chain and have a clear idea not just of your supplier, not just of your supplier's supplier, but the supplier's supplier supplier. And you can show where each of the components, each should have come from. And that mapping is the very basis of what I think most organizations call responsible sourcing. 55, 60, 65, 70 are achievable targets that organizations are achieving in terms of having mapped that supply chain. Once that mapping is there, is ensuring that it's easy to hand and quickly referred to. Then the issue, which you're touching on there, is is the verifying. And that verifying has to be on a collective basis, whether it be by individual agencies like a SEDEX or something like that, who go and audit on behalf of a number of different companies, or whether it even be by a nation government. And then having that data coming through in a way in which is is verifiable and understandable. And that's very much where standards come in. The standard location number of where the product was grown all of these critical things, there is no point in one manufacturer using one number for a farmer and then another using a different number for the same farmer. That's only even more confusing all of the way through. So those standards have to be agreed and they have to be common. And that's where organizations like GS1 and the Consumer Goods Forum come in place, as well as other industry bodies. Absolutely. What you're starting to help us do here, Chris, is you're starting to 
map out the accountability and the work because no one organization is going to solve this. There is a set of activities that needs to happen within the company, within the supply chain and within the planning organization. Then there is a place for industry forums and there's a place for governments. Help us from supply chain leader or a CEO of a manufacturing company, perhaps a CPG company perspective, what would you advise that they do? Even as this imperfect world continues to evolve around us, what is it that they can do? Really, first part is is to map the supply chain of the products that you have, knowing where they should come from, knowing where each of the components is intended is the first step. And if that means some hard words with some suppliers, then that has to happen because you cannot have, as you said earlier, the first thing being the the front page in the New York Times, when you find a particular component of a certain product or a certain material has maybe come from an area that's been deforested or an area involving modern slavery. So mapping the supply chain is the first point. Then after that, the traceability and the verification comes afterwards. That is so true. And then continuing to build along those lines, obviously, there is a role for technology, perhaps technology as Stanton U and Onine Solutions are starting to think about it. Hopefully, as the, the quality of the data gets better and better, there are ways to use algorithms to perhaps map what your intended carbon footprint or other environmental KPI should be and plan for that, just like any other supply chain planning would plan for raw material. Speak to us from a systems or maybe a systems provider perspective. What should be the role of systems to help companies in this area? Sustainability has a number of enabling pillars. And I think that from a process standpoint, Chris is quite correct in terms of mapping and, and tracing in that context. The concept of a digital twin is going to be fundamental to this whole thing. That model needs to span raw materials, extraction, and processing all the way through end of life and disposition. And in the context of circularity, there are reverse logistics flows back into the the supply chain. What does that picture look like for your organization and for the products and, and services that you're bringing to the market? There's a process component for enabling that. And there's a an underlying digital component to go along with that, to build that digital twin. And then that model is dynamic. It is constantly in flux. So there's been studies that have shown that once you develop a model, a, a transparency to a certain extent, the idea that those models go stale very, very rapidly, particularly if you have a very deep supply chain where it may span three, four, five, six levels deep, those relationships between those suppliers and transport relationships as well as business relationships between suppliers upstream in that network change constantly. And so it needs to be updated. And in the future, digital technology will enable a more accurate and dynamic supply chain digital twin. It's going to be a fundamental aspect of it. There are lots of other things that you can do once you have a a digital twin that's been imbued or embodied with ESG data. Then the process of doing intelligent decision support around how you're going to get to net zero, how you're going to eliminate various ESG risk factors in your supply chain, 
that you can incorporate into your fundamental business planning and supply chain planning processes. If you subscribe to the notion that much of our sustainability problem lies within large industrial supply chains, then why not combine the processes of supply chain planning with sustainability transformation planning so that when you're looking at your network view in terms of servicing demand, you're also considering the sustainability metrics associated with servicing that demand. And you can also begin to plan how you're going to invest in your network and how you're going to manage your network to bring down your environmental footprint and improve the social and governance KPIs within the communities that your supply chain operates, right? And those things, that that merging of supply chain and merging of sustainability management, I think is something that we're going to see in the future. And that is all something that can be digitally enabled. That's a very exciting possibility because this takes us from sustainability being a forensics exercise. So after the fact, let's figure out where we ended up in, in terms of our KPIs to essentially being a proactive planning and modeling and simulation exercise where you say, hey, you know, if I want to make this claim and live up to it, what do I need to do with which supplier, which part of the supply chain? And that's such an exciting part of the solution. I'm a little surprised that I'm not hearing other companies or too many other people kind of thinking about this vision because it's as important as any other element. Like I said, there is a role for government, there is a role for industry bodies, but there are things that is within the control of companies through the use of some of these systems. Chris, you've of course led in supply chains and been on the forefront of this particular topic. I'm sure there are a lot of companies that are giving it their best shot. They may not be completely there, but if you wouldn't mind, give us maybe a few examples of where you see companies doing the right thing or trying to do the right thing. Well, I think Maybe just to build a little bit on what Stanton was saying, first of all, in terms of that bringing together of the normal planning operations and of that drive to sustainability, the pandemic and everything that we've been through in the last couple of years has really driven that. Because if you think one of the key topics on the list of every supply chain professional at the moment is supply chain disruption. And it's not just supply chain professionals, it's the CEOs. As well. And consumers. <laughs> yes, and consumers. And so many times the surprises that come out of the bag, where a particular component has come from, where a particular material has come from, and that area has been impacted. It may be by shipping issues. It may be by weather issues. It may be by labor issues. And that's why the bringing together of that network planning has become so much more important. To turn to your last question of where people are understanding it, it's probably 12 years now since the original issues on palm oil came and others, organizations being able to plan and be able to say that their products come from areas that have not been impacted by deforestation. If you look at much of legislation now, particularly in Europe or modern slavery, but following it on deforestation, those are taking the major materials, the 65 70% that you talked about earlier, which it's vital to, to map. And that's where organizations are getting to. And it's important from both the legislative viewpoint, as we talked about, but also it's increasingly important in terms of the 
the selling of the product, the marketing of the product. We see advertisements all the time on the provenance of the product, where it's come from. That is a part of the story that consumers want to hear about the products they're consuming. And we need to be able to provide the evidence to back up those claims that are being put about product. And you talked earlier, Tony, about greenwashing. And greenwashing will not stand up to the scrutiny of close consumer checks on where a product's come from, who it's been made by, and under what conditions and what harm has been created in the process of doing so. This is the only way the industry can evolve through accountability, through the right metrics, through collaboration and standing. As you kind of think in terms of the future of a platform and algorithms helping do modeling and simulation, how close is some of that vision, right? This is a really, really tough problem. Maybe we're about 60% of the journey in terms of data availability. When do we reach the tipping point? I think in terms of raw technology, we're pretty close because when you take into account IoT technologies, there's a lot of technology that you can put upstream that exists today, but it's just the organizations in some of the regions that in which you're producing product or materials don't have the level of sophistication or they're just not making the investment in digital transformation, right? You're at a process level. They're not able to cultivate the data that would be required for this, but the the raw data is there. I think the other major thing I'm just going to kind of underscore some things that Chris was talking about was standards. There's a lot of standards that do exist today. That's probably the problem, right? Is that they haven't settled on standards that can be broadly adopted. VHS and Betamax uh, type of stuff. Exactly. As long as reporting is voluntary and there are multiple standards, how you utilize multiple standards is up to you. It's discretionary. You're going to get a level of variability in reporting and cultivation of metrics that is not going to be broadly useful in building a, a full digital twin because you're going to have to harmonize across datas with different taxonomies with different levels of granularity and different levels of completeness. And that's kind of the main problem that, that companies are faced with today when they're they're trying to build this digital twin is that the, the data exists at different levels. So the creation of standards, once you have good standards that are harmonized, then the technology can easily adopt those from a standpoint of a, a schema to work with. That is very heartening to hear that the challenge is, is no longer technology. It is the standards, it's the data, it is the quote-unquote creative license on marketing and many of the other accountability pieces. That's a very helpful perspective. Thank you, Stanton. Chris, I'm going to give you the last uh, question on this. So you do a lot of work these days helping governments and companies and institutions be aware of this issue. You talked about your speech at the uh, COP26. What key message would you like to leave with the listeners of this show around the accountability and the imperative around sustainability? I think it's primarily the word transparency, Tony. We must be able to provide transparency from the end-to-end supply chain. Maybe in the, the ones I've worked in, it's farm to fork, but there's many others. Consumers expect that transparency 
governments expect that kind of transparency. And it's down to us as IGEM professionals, as technology professionals, to be able to provide that. Because if so, we will give the other T word, which is trust. And so it's about transparency and it's about trust. So important, um, especially in these days where information and disinformation and many other challenges you know, seem to be a feature of our generation's evolution. Chris Tyus, OBE, Stanton Thomas, it has been a real pleasure speaking with both of you gentlemen. Thank you very much for being with us today. Likewise, thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Tony. And uh, for our listeners out there, I'm sure you learned many, many things today from these distinguished individuals. It was a real pleasure to have you along as well on the journey. As always, don't forget to like or subscribe to uh, Master Digital Transformation podcast. And as always, keep transforming. Thank you for listening to Masters of Digital Transformation. For more information, be sure to check out www.09solutions.com slash aim10x.